are tuned to the Onside CFL Fantasy Football Podcast, the place for the very best in news, injury reports, and stat lines for the 2019 CFL Fantasy Football season. Now, here is this week's show. Well, would you look at that? The boys are back for week number 11 of the Canadian Football League in the CFL Fantasy Season, episode 87 of the Onside CFL Fantasy Football Podcast. Dave Dawson and Ben Kramer, Dan the Stats Guy, bringing us in with the voice intro. It's nice to be back and coming from Dan's voice to a different voice. Not that he minded that I talked to him about, but that episode of the two of you guys recorded a couple weeks back was kind of amusing that Dan at the start, then Dan, Dan on the end, and then more Dan. I'm here. But Ben's here. So that's the important part, some variety. Well, Ben, glad to be back with you. I know you guys had a little bit of fun with me since, you know, the Bombers lost two in a row and me being from Winnipeg and thinking that was the reason why I took the time off, yada, yada, yada. But, hey, what better week to come back to talk about the Bombers than the one that we're into right now. So we'll, we'll put a pause on that for a second because I know that uh, that'll be many, many podcasts across Canada having their fun with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers offense right now. But why don't we get into uh, the first segment, Knuckle Tap or Give Him Crap. So for my props this week, I want to give props to three quarterbacks in the Canadian Football League, and I'm sure on the other side of it, you can easily give crap to a couple ones pretty easily off the top of your head. But first of all, obviously Trevor Harris, pretty fired up still since those comments from Antoine Antoine Pernod, 420 yards and five touchdowns last week, three of them in the air, two of them of his own keepers. Vernon Adams, big-time yards as well, two touchdowns, two picks, helping to orchestrate that late drive to uh, win the game in overtime. And then Nick Arbuckle, be it though, the way the game ended up for him, four touchdowns and almost 400 yards through the air. So not a bad week for CFL fantasy quarterbacks and two of those guys, pretty well priced. Uh, Ben, for knuckle tapper, give him crap. Who are you going to go with? To borrow a line from Kent Brockman, do you know what really grinds my gears? (laughs) Guys who are priced over 13,000 that give you three points. That is just horrible. So this last week, all season I had been playing mid-tier guys consistently, and finally some friends of mine convinced me, no, Andrew Harris and Brandon Banks are really the guys you need on a weekly basis to win the big contests and whatever that are available online. And I said, fine, this week I'm all in. I'll believe you. (laughs) And We all know what I got already. That's just gross. Just gross. Andrew Harris hadn't had fewer than seven points as a receiver in any game this season, and he gave seven total points this last week, going all in there. And Banks, he hadn't had very many bad games at all, and he came out with two receptions for 20 yards and just totally disappeared. So they can both just go take off and take my money another week, I guess. But yeah, Brandon Banks and Andrew Harris, the best two offensive players in the league, they both ruined my weekend. And it's not as if you haven't made a bit of a soapbox of the overpricing on Brandon Banks in the past, so doesn't it feel good to have that hit you even harder in one week? Yeah, just awesome. <laughs> I love CFL fantasy. <laughs> uh, sometimes fantasy is anything but friendly, for sure. Well, It's a nightmare, man. It's a nightmare. We don't predict the future. We go on algorithm, algorithms and trends, right? So I think that might be... Uh, Prime example of that. It was an ugly weekend. Me as well. We'll get to that in Dave's confession. And I cannot wait 
to see Ben's reaction for my Dave's confession this week. All right. Uh, well, into some notable changes for week number 11. I think probably two of the biggest ones might be along the ground, and I let Ben uh, kind of take the reins for any other notable ones. But the two big ones, William Stanback, back and practicing, unsure if he's going to be taking snaps uh, when the depth chart comes out, if he's going to be listed as a starter. But they're saying that things are leading towards him potentially starting. And, of course, Andrew Harris with that upper body injury and hasn't been practicing this week, but all indications are that he's going to play. Yeah, at this point, it looks like Harris has kind of confirmed the starter for Friday already, according to some reports tonight from Jeff Hamilton. And as for Montreal, I guess we're kind of waiting to see. I never wish ill upon anybody, but if Stanbag wanted to take one more week off and give us some salary relief with Jeremiah Johnson for one more weekend versus Toronto, I'd be pretty eternally thankful for that for him. And I just traded Stanback in my season long as well because we have two running back spots in our season long, one to start, one on the bench. I picked up Brandon Burks just to think, well, James Wilder, could it be a case of the Corey Boyd situation maybe <laughs> reappearing re- its ugly head? I don't know. Those of you longtime fans should know what that one means, but I guess he got released by now and Wilder hasn't got released. But And then uh, I picked up Johnny Augustine, so I thought, why not trade Stanback at a high draft pick? So in a sidebar note, probably not the spot for it, but I do get a lot of questions about season long, and I think I'll, ta- I'll talk about that before the end of the show, Ben, if you can remind me about that. But anyway, so that's my side note, that I traded William Standback. So yes, please, as Ben said, Standback. Standback and watch for one more week, if you don't mind. Got to throw a pun in there somewhere, right? <laughs> we all do what we can. Any other notables for this week? I know Markeith Ambles was out last week, obviously. Stamps are on by this week, but any other ones that jump off the page for you? <laughs> Markeith Ambles still out this week, right? <laughs> <laughs> Marquis Ambles has been out for the previous 10 weeks as well, according to many who have projected him to be a better receiver this year. But Yeah, I think the only other somewhat notable thing this week is that Kenny Stafford was full go in practice this week with the Riders, but he's still with the second team as Arsenal looks to hold down his spot for at least one more week in that Riders lineup at the field wide receiver position. Sure, I'm curious to see what Kenny Stafford does on teams not named the Edmonton Eskimos because that's where most of his success has been in his career. But yeah, that's uh, if there's a spot that he'll succeed in, it's that high-powered Riders offense. So we'll have to keep an eye on that. When the depth charts do come out by the time you listen to this, you'll probably already have an idea. All right, in a start-setter swap, the idea of this is uh, list, the, uh, list the two highest targeted receivers per team, give Ben an option. He can either take one of those or put a different receiver in there instead as the guy he'd like to take in that matchup. So we'll start on Friday night with a game that I'm going to, pretty excited about it, which I would say had is kind of the first clash of the Titans of the season, aside from the slapping the Stampeders gave the Riders quite a while ago before Cody Fajardo was really into his niche. So I think this is probably the first battle of the heavyweights without Matt Nichols and maybe Andrew Harris. Who knows? So start, set, or swap. We'll start with the Bombers. As lots of question marks at quarterback, Lucky Whitehead, 40 targets, 31 catches, only about four per game. And on the Eskimo side, Ben, Ricky Collins, 70 targets, 48 catches, about seven per game amongst the tops in receiving in the Canadian Football League. Between those two, do you take one or a different guy? I think between those two, you have to go with Collins, right? There isn't a Winnipeg receiver that's getting more than four and a half targets a game at this point in the season. And really, Chris Streveler is kind of the CFL's answer to Tim Tebow. 
He's going to run a lot. He's going to throw a lot of balls at guys' ankles, and we're going to wait to see what the comedy show happens to bring for us. So Streveler is probably the most interesting player on their offense this week because I'm not sure anybody else is going to get enough looks to be relevant. So I think Collins is certainly the pick out of those two. But versus that Winnipeg defense, I think most of the Edmonton receivers are probably a little overpriced given the matchup anyways. Yeah, I'm curious what that... um field side wide receiver, field side slot back in the outside position does with uh, the Mike Jones now kind of knocking out Brandon Alexander from that spot. Maybe there might be some opportunities for Greg Ellingson if you believe in that matchup on paper or not. Ellingson, another option, 70 targets, 50 catches uh, through eight games as well, four touchdowns, and obviously that mammoth week last week had a lot to pad those stats there. Well, when we get to the uh, building a lineup and the top plays for Week number 11, we can probably talk about that too. I got a lot of things I got to remind myself about here. I'm going to be making notes out of that or I'm going to forget everything, which I can't, I'm not going to lie. Has happened in past podcasts before. All right, into the first game of the doubleheader on Saturday. We'll start with the Red Blacks and the Riders. Yeah, the Red Blacks. What's going on there? Dom Rimes now the top targeted receiver into that offense. The Joe Pow Pow offense, 62 targets. 36 catches, around 7 per game. Or you're looking at Kyron Moore, 45 targets, 34 catches. That's a shining catch percentage, and about 5 per game. Him and Shaq Evans are neck and neck, but more the higher targeted Evans, obviously, more yards. Ben, which one between those two would you take, or would you swap one out? Give me Shaq Evans, man. I think both him and Moore are underutilized, really, in the offense. They've both taken massive leaps forward in their second seasons in this Ryder offense with their rates of production per target just right absolutely through the roof. They're the top two in the CFL this point, just behind Reggie Bagleton, I guess, after his massive Week 10 outing. So I'd like Evans versus that boundary side corner that Ottawa's going to be putting out there. They'll probably get abused most of the night. So Evans would be my top play, but Kyron Moore would be a close second. Brad Sinopoli is in there somewhere as well. 56 targets, 34 catches uh, through nine games. And I know a lot of people in Saskatchewan love them some Derek Moncrief. So it'll be interesting to see how that matchup does play out if you're looking straight up on a depth chart as well. But I can't argue with Ben on that one. Yeah, I'm not sure that anybody in Ottawa knows who Sinopoli is anymore. <laughs> it, it's He's pretty disappeared in that offense. And frankly, with the Joe Pow Pow system of things, it sounds more like a pow, pow, pow with the running back than it does anything through the air, I think. So you might see quite literally 25 rush attempts this week based on pow, pow's offensive scheme that we've seen in the past, and I don't think you want any part of those Ottawa receivers for quite some time. Sounds more like a poo-poo powwow than anything else, for sure. Well, looking at uh, Ty Cats and the Lions on Saturday night, what about those BC Lions? Many can say it's just solely on the shoulders of that offensive line, but I don't know. Mike Riley, has he lost a step? I'll, I'll leave that maybe for the other podcast to discuss. Ben, do you want to weigh in on that? He's only got one leg. <laughs> He's only got one leg. He's lost more than one step. He loses a step every time that he tries to take a step. It's really unfortunate. Like uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with Riley, but there just is... No cohesion to the offensive blocking scheme. There is no consistency week to week to them having any kind of identity as an offense. And he's just out there playing whack-a-mole, and he's wearing the hat. It's really too bad. It is unfortunate for the poster child of the CFL for a number of years, for sure. Well, uh, your, your Brandon Banks that we talked about off the top, 78 targets, 53 catches, about 10 per game on target. And I think 
between these two receivers, I I don't know. I know that the Ticats defense is up there amongst the best and that they're capable of getting to that level, but I wonder if this might be a good old shot, good old fashioned slobber knocker and air attack on Saturday night. Burnham, 66 targets, 44 catches, around eight per game. Between those two, Ben, would you take one or a different one? You know, if I could afford Banks, I think that that's certainly the guy that I'd play, but I think he's pretty tough to fit for anybody who's realistic. I think my favorite receiver out of that game is probably Braylon Addison at half the salary of Banks and just as many targets plus an extra four or five carries out of the backfield because for whatever reason, Hamilton has decided that they want to give half their offensive snaps, carries to wide receivers instead of the running back that's standing there behind Dane Evans. So I think Addison is probably the best wide receiver play out of the bunch this week from that game. Free Cameron Marshall. Free Cameron Marshall. Yeah, free Cam Marshall. It was quite something. He had 88 yards on 10 carries and the Ticats wide receivers had 11 carries for 31 yards near the end of that last game, and they gave two more carries to Brandon Banks right after that. I'm not sure what they're doing with the scheme right now. They're more professional than I am, but it's a little confusing seeing a guy getting 8.8 yards per carry starving for touches in that backfield. Maybe more than anything, they just want to try and play with the uh, the experts. Maybe that that's maybe something that I don't know what they're doing, but uh, we'll leave the play calling for them, and we'll, <laughs> we'll be the guys who will try to prognosticate that for sure. Well, and the final one, the Alouettes and the Argos. An interesting game for sure. Sunday morning if you're out west and afternoon if you're listening from the east. Well, Quan Bray on the Owls, 44 targets, 28 catches, 7 per game. But a quieter week for him last week and a massive week for Posey back in the lineup. And obviously, Geno Lewis spends uh, one of his favorite guys he's talked about for weeks now. Or Darrell Walker, 59 targets, 35 catches, and 7 per game. Ben, between those guys, would you take one or swap them out? I think Posey is one of the best overall values, regardless of position this week, based on him probably getting another eight targets a game in this offense with Cunningham out and his ability to make those into deep plays, especially versus that Toronto defense that's given up the most yards per target and the second most touchdowns per target in the CFL so far this season. I think any of the receivers on Montreal, whether it's Bray, Posey, or Geno, are all good plays this week. And if you're looking at the Toronto side, Walker's probably a little overpriced, but Rodney Smith is coming in really cheap. He's been getting just about five targets a game over the past month and certainly has the opportunity to put up some stuff against the Montreal defense that's given up the second most yards per target in the CFL at this point and that's down a few healthy bodies in that secondary. And before we move into the top plays for week number 11, when you think about, um, yeah, you mentioned Rodney Smith and McLeod Bethel-Thompson has been a pretty decent play for the past few weeks with the beatdown yards, albeit uh, an exception of last week as well. I do get quite a few questions about CFL fantasy in a season long, and obviously there's no app right now or no template where there was fantasy.ca a number of years ago, and they decided to pull the plug. And I do hear potentially there could be rumblings of one coming up in the near future, and uh, so whenever I do talk about CFL fantasy season long, it's just a rotisserie kind of spreadsheet that uh, a number of my friends and I have done for uh, quite a few years and just literally built it um, built it off of a spreadsheet kind of format and kind of tapped into the CFL stats. So if, if you are maybe looking at doing something like that for maybe the remainder of the season, I don't know, and you want to reach out, hit me up on Twitter at DaveDawson7. I can kind of direct you maybe towards the template that we have built and 
you've done it for about six, seven years now, and it works. So anytime I talk about season long, people are to say, hey, where's the app? Where's the website? Whatever. It's just literally a rotisserie spreadsheet that we've built, but I'd be happy to... If you want to reach out to me, I can direct you in, in the little format that we built. So, Yeah, and we'll have to see what comes in the future. I know that the league has heard this, that people are interested in season-long stuff. I had chats with folks in the office just this last week saying, make sure that you keep that on the radar. And they've heard it. It's not falling on deaf ears. So hopefully in the next little while, we might have an offering of something like that. And I've also talked to folks at Fannium Football that have done CFL season-long in the past that are talking about bringing that back as well. So there is hope on the horizon for those who want season-long options. Great stuff. All right, into the top plays for week number 11, starting at the quarterback position. Ben Kramer writes for CFL.ca. Those articles come out with his weekly rankings and projections, as well as daily roto. You can find him doing that stuff there, and he appears on CFL Weekly with Andy McNamara as well. Well, Ben, why don't we look at top plays for week number 11? And I think it's safe to say Cody Fajardo probably hasn't disappointed many people this year. Uh, it seems to be there are quite a few options from what it looks like for quarterback heading into this weekend. Yeah, it's been actually one of the stranger weeks projecting the quarterback position that we've had all season and that there's really probably six usable quarterbacks all at different salary levels. And generally speaking, when we've done lineup construction, you kind of start at quarterback, build your stacks, and fill out the studs from there. But this week, given the options there and the different salaries and the lack of salary relief at running back and wide receiver, folks might be wise to start building at running back and wide receiver and then just see what quarterbacks fit. As Vernon Adams tops the projections at just about 25 points and a decent value at about 2.6 points per dollar, he's going to be getting a fair bit of looks against the best matchup that a quarterback can hope for versus Toronto, giving up the most yards per pass attempt and the second most touchdowns per pass attempt. And for Adams' skill set, Toronto also gives up the most yards per rush attempt as well. So it's kind of the ideal matchup that he could possibly hope for. His price has certainly gone up from where it was, but it's far from unaffordable levels like Mike Riley was at 14000 in previous seasons. Following him, you've got Fajardo that's just half a point back from him at a, just about $2,000 in salary savings. He's going to be one of the better values at the quarterback position this week versus Ottawa. Ottawa, however, has been giving up a few fewer points in the last month or so as they've stemmed the tide and they're only giving up about 20 points a game now. And it's strange that when you watch their games, they really feel like they drag out and they're slow-paced but they are still giving up the most plays per game to opposing offenses at just about 63 a game. So it's kind of hope that Fajardo and this up-tempo Riders offense can start turning some of those opportunities into points this week. If folks do find the opportunity to pay up, Trevor Harris is still going to be one of the more consistent options at quarterback week to week. Uh, that salary, just over 12000 is probably more than most folks are going to swallow this week. So you're probably going to be looking at one of those two lower price signal callers. And if folks really need to punt it on down to nothing, Dane Evans gets a matchup with BC, giving up the most passing touchdowns per attempt in the league so far this season. And he works out as the best value on the slate price, just under 5600 I know we've talked about it in the past, <clears throat> and I know there are people out there that like to outthink the room, so... Rather than exclude them in this conversation, maybe we can just bring them in and think through their thought process. Is there any logic to maybe playing somebody like a Jonathan Jennings who might come in after beat down in the fourth quarter and put up a couple hundred yards? That's a stretch. McLeod Bethel Thompson has actually put up some pretty decent yardage over the weeks. 
being as Toronto always finds that they're in a deficit and then they find a way to claw themselves back. Does a McLeod Bethel Thompson have any logic to you for week number 11? Macbeth is a fine play in my mind. Like Montreal's still giving up the second most yards per pass attempt in the league and Toronto is airing out a lot. They're passing about 73% of the time and Macbeth projects for the most total pass attempts on the slate this week. So certainly there's the opportunity for volume and there's the opportunity for efficiency. He's not a crazy play. At just over 8,000, he's one of those half dozen quarterbacks that all works out this week, depending on what level of salary you have left after you fill out running back and wide receiver. So, no, nah, he's totally fine. And if anything, he takes far too much blame for Toronto's overall struggles this season. There's a lot more to teams winning games than just what the quarterback plays. And I think he's been more than adequate. As my dad would say, he's been perfectly adequate. So I would say that, uh, yeah, he's fine if you want to go that way, and that's the salary level that you have left. You've got four or five quarterbacks that are all kind of within two or three points of each other between six dollars and $8,000, and he's certainly in the mix. Sounds like this could be the reason why we don't have a Dave's Confession next week. If I play it smart, I can get through this week without a Dave's Confession. With all those options at quarterback, that's great news. All right, let's move into the top uh, wide receiver plays for week number 11. And I, I love these ones because you get so many options for the flex, obviously, and wide receivers are the big bang for the buck. Um, at the top of your projections, who do you got and maybe dabble in a couple of sleepers that people might not be looking at that could maybe win them uh, a, pretty nice, a pretty nice matchup this week? Yeah, if Brandon Banks is active, Brandon Banks is going to be the top projected receiver every week. I think we can pretty much lock that in and just say that's the case. Nobody's going to be able to put up more yards per target than he does or have the big playability or especially have the opportunity to return some kicks for touchdowns as well. It seems every week he's got something going on except for the week that I go all in on him and you know what, that happened already. So probably my take will be Braylon Addison. He comes in second in the projections. He's less than half the salary of his team teammate Brandon Banks and still gets that cushy matchup versus BC giving up all the touchdowns that they are per target. Addison's been getting about eight targets a game and another four or five carries out of the backfield each week over the past month and he's certainly a solid option. He's the second best value on the slate just behind Quan Bray but at a mid-tier price it'll give you a lot more safety because Bray has really kind of fallen off in the last couple of weeks still getting a good number of targets but really not producing anything from them since Posey is back in the lineup and Lewis has moved over to the boundary side of the field. Uh, if you're going down from there, the group of Edmonton and BC and Saskatchewan receivers are all kind of about fairly priced. You're not going to get a whole lot of value in the slot, but as I mentioned earlier, I think Shaq Evans coming in just over 6000 is probably going to have about as high a ceiling as anybody not bringing Brandon Banks this week versus Ottawa. Points have been a little bit tougher to come by against the Red Blacks in the last while, but I think Evans, if he can get kind of a ceiling game for targets, more in that 7 or 8 range as opposed to the 5 or 6 that he usually gets, he could be kind of one of those surprising players that comes in with a mid-tier price tag and is a top-scoring receiver on the slate this week. As I mentioned before, there's not a whole lot of other great values in the ride receiver position this week, but I think Rodney Smith is probably fair in his matchup versus Montreal price just under 3000 and then you can drop down to a bunch of the other also rounds at the 2500 kind of range whether it's Kenny Lawler's of the world or Javon Katoy's that could do something but you really can't expect much of anything I probably think if anything you're going to be punting a position it's probably going to be with Smith 
What about in the return game? Are there any returners uh, that are listed as wide receivers that maybe provide options? Or I don't, maybe, um, I should probably even look to see the difference between which ones are the running back, which ones are the wide receivers. We head into the running back p- position in a few minutes anyway. <laughs> that might be the segue. If folks are really looking to punt it with somebody who has the floor of return yards, Shakir Ryan has been returning kicks for Montreal, and they find themselves matched up versus Toronto that's given up the most yards per kick return in the league so far this season, I think. He's certainly got the opportunity, especially if it turns into a high-scoring game and a blowout that it's expected, or sorry, not the blowout, but the shootout that it's expected to be, you'll see an extra few kick return opportunities come his way. And at 2,500, it's not the worst thing that you could do. I think the ceiling is certainly lower when you're playing a kick returner as opposed to a starting wide receiver. But if folks are looking for something a little bit different, Ryan is certainly an opportunity at wide receiver. And from the running back position, you might see some guys like Christian Jones getting an opportunity for a few extra turns for Edmonton versus Winnipeg. He's priced up a little bit more over minimum at 2800 but he's certainly in the conversation. Okay, from the low end of the running back to the top of the rankings of the, the projections for running backs for week number 11, I think it'll probably change. Interesting to see is we've seen Edmonton give up quite a few return yards a few times this season, but they've also been stalwarts a couple of times as well with Andrew Harris. How healthy is he going to be? Will we see William Stanback, John Crockett back in the lineup this week? How much of an impact will that have on the projections for week number 11. So what do you got, Ben, your top guys for running back for week number 11? Andrew Harris is going to project near the top, but the reality is it's all a little bit up in the air to see what this offense is going to look like with Strevler under center instead of Matt Nichols. Uh, Strevler under center for his few starts last season seemed to get about three or four targets to Andrew Harris in the passing game as opposed to the six or seven that Nichols usually dumps off and checks down to him. So if his opportunities in the passing game are limited kind of like they were last week it's going to be pretty tough to pay off an over 11,000k price tag versus an Edmonton defense that's allowing the fewest plays per game to opposing offenses the efficiency could be there is they're still giving up well over five and a half yards per carry to opposing running backs but it's going to be difficult to see if Harris is going to be able to get the opportunities to score touchdowns with Strevler under the center there all the time and vulturing so many carries from him. So it might be a week to lay off him as the value just probably isn't there at that high price tag. With the Montreal running back position that you mentioned, if Stanback plays, I think he's probably the first guy that you lock into lineups versus Toronto, giving up the most yards per carry so far this season. And I think about the second or third most touchdowns per carry this season. They're just a bad defense all around, whether it's through the air or on the ground. So Stanback's opportunities would be exceptional. His price stick is a little bit higher than Jeremiah Johnson's, and Johnson would project just about similarly given the opportunities with Johnson in the lineup and Stanback both, Johnson tends to take away about 15-20% of the touches from Stanback and that would hurt his overall projection. Whereas with Stanback out, it seemed Johnson got pretty much the full workload. So if you're looking from a pure fantasy perspective, Jeremiah Johnson's probably the guy you hope for, but Stanback is probably the guy that we're going to get. Dropping down there from a little bit, I think the next best option is probably John White versus that Hamilton defense. It has a pretty big reputation but it's still giving up the second most yards per carry in the league and certainly has been leaky giving up a whole lot of touchdowns on the ground as well for white if he's gotten 15 plus touches in any week he's averaged almost 30 points and i expect that with riley banged up and the matchup as it is 
BC might give Hamilton a full dose of John White this week, and he'll have the opportunity to pay off a $7,600 price tag with pretty reasonable value. For folks looking for folks looking for plays that are a fair bit cheaper, really the only option this week is John Crockett, just under 5K, but the matchup with Saskatchewan is pretty rough, and that whole Ottawa offense is just really bad. There's no consistency to be able to maintain drives. It's difficult to see him getting more than 13, 14 carries in the game. Uh, he is fairly efficient with them, but it's just not going to be enough to pay off as a decent value. If, and it's a big if, Pau Pau implements a system similar to what he did with the Renegades he had 15 years ago in Ottawa, you might see a fair number of carries jumped up there for Crockett as they just stubbornly batter him against the defensive line despite what football and logistics would seem to say are actually functional offenses. So if that's the case, you could see Crockett get 16 to 18 carries and project closer to 12 points instead of 8 which would make him a decent value, but it's still a tough matchup to imagine that's going to be very successful. Nothing like the 16 carries for 50-yard stat line. Just love those ones. Those look so good in fantasy sports. Super exciting football. <laughs> Absolutely. Super exciting football. Remember the Joe Pow Pow days, and great human being for sure, but one of those ones that, yeah, I guess Ottawa needed an offensive coordinator, and he was there. And if uh, Daltz from Rouge Radio, Rob Dalton, one of my longtime friends, is Listening to this, it's the old uh, Urban Bowman. Uh, God rest his soul that uh, there was the old joke in Winnipeg that every time a coach got fired, well, hire Urban Bowman. Urban's there. <laughs> He'll come in and jump. So it kind of feels a bit of... It's really one of the more confusing things to think that Ottawa saw Joe Pow Pow as the solution to a struggling offense. Like, nothing against the man personally, but I was looking all through his coaching stats through the years. I think he has about a 300 win percentage as a coach professionally and at the collegiate level over the years. He was a great player, but as a coach, any team that he has been a part of has really struggled on down the line, and I can't imagine how this offense is really going to see much better. During his tenure with the Renegades previously, they ran pretty much a league high 22 times a game. They battered Josh Rannick against defenses just continually, whether it was successful or not, and eventually just led to the breakdown of his body where he couldn't play anymore. I think John Crockett has a little bit more mileage on his tires, but he could certainly get ground into the turf over the next couple of months until this season is done. You know what that reminds me of? You're talking about was great in college and low winning percentage. Cue the music. <laughs> No Chapdelaine Circus this week. The opposite, of course, of Chapdelaine, because he never ran the ball, ever, ever. He likes to go through the air. But we won't pick on poor Jacques this week, because it looks like things in Toronto have turned around. With Jonathan Crompton now coming in, regardless of how good of a player he or coach he was or was not or whatever, I think that's a sign that the Argos are actually trending forward. But um, sticking with the fantasy idea, and this is actually kind of funny, because it goes to show how united Ben and I, I guess, are without even speaking about this, but the stat line that I teased on Twitter a couple days ago and said that there's one player you might want to kind of pump the brakes on this week is because that relationship, the Chris Straveler-Andrew Harris relationship. Straveler does vulture quite a few carries from Harris, and you can see I don't think Andrew Harris is the kind of guy who would ever come out and say that in the media but you can tell it really bothers him. Like, he doesn't like it when Streveler takes those carries away. And I think, yeah, there's red zone carries and other carries, like six, seven, eight, nine, maybe even ten per game. Streveler might take away. So so hats off to the not communicating about that, but you obviously already knowing what I was talking about because you're that smart, Ben. 
<laughs> that or we both just have no idea what we're doing and fall into the same mistaken ideas. Either way. Probably, probably more the latter. Definitely more the latter. They're getting everything they paid for this week. Yeah, absolutely. Just mail it in. It's the mail it in show. Don't have any defensive stats this week, but hey, we're making it through for sure. There was I'll tell you one thing. There was a lot of drive to record this show. You and I were both super excited this week to record this podcast, right? Super excited, Dave. <laughs> super excited. <laughs> I love my audience, Dave. You know who was pretty excited? Dave Dickinson after week number 10 and the finish to that game. But I don't think uh, as a fantasy podcast we'll weigh in on that. But the Calgary defense gave up some yards last week for sure. And the Alouettes defense came through in week number 10. Who are we looking at for the big plays for week number 11? I think Hamilton is probably the best play as far as salary goes and overall projection. They would be my top choice regardless of salary, and the fact that they come in kind of a mid-tier price this week makes them a pretty nice opportunity to pick on versus BC. I think the Lions have given up a ton of sacks, as we all know, I think 36 so far this season, and Hamilton is about second in the mid-20s in their sacks piled so far up this year so i think that hamilton is probably to play at a pretty reasonable tag folks could probably go up the stream a little bit to edmonton if they want to versus streveler he's uh averaged just about an interception per start so far in the cfl or if you really have the extra funds to spend the riders get to pick on ottawa and whoever they happen to start at quarterback this week it'll be dom davis but yet to be seen whether he manages to finish a game so their turnover prone ways and the sacks they've given up could make the riders a little bit of an interesting play as their ownership will be quite a bit lower at a higher price tag than the others sidebar note on ottawa just want to get your thoughts on this do you think it has more to do with the, the scheming in Ottawa or the talent? Do they need help at receiver or is it quarterback play solely? I know there can be a bit of everything, but if you had to pick one, is it play calling, is it quarterback, or is it caliber of receivers? I think they just don't have the horses anymore, man. I think we all saw who they lost in free agency this year, and they could tell themselves and others that they were happy and they had a plan, but I don't think the plan ever happens to be losing five all-star level players from your offense and thinking it's going to carry on. So I think we all know that Dominic Davis is a significant step down from Trevor Harris. The receivers they've got left over are mostly guys that were picked over and let go by other CFL teams. There just isn't a whole lot left, and the cupboards are kind of bare. And the fact that their offensive coordinator left with only a couple of weeks before training camp to go down south certainly hurt their progressions and hurt the offense overall too. So they've just been kind of scrounging to see what they can put together. And the word is that they've got a new play caller this week and they're paring down the offense to simplify it for Dominique Davis. But really, I think it just means it's going to be lead draws power off tackle runs and a whole bunch of screen passes to see what they can do to just get the ball out of his hands quickly and hopefully not in the other team hands yay that means another week of people going crazy about Derek Moncrief we okay building a lineup on CFL and TSN fantasy we go top to bottom as Ben said every single week normally you build with the quarterback position might be a little bit different this week for sure so there's a lot of good plays I think some some weeks where you look at the output of a lot of 
players that you would think would be good, but they get that mid-tier 10, 11, 12-point performance. I got a feeling this might be, especially with that BC-Hamilton game and the Montreal-Toronto game, there might be some big, big, big offensive performances. So where do you start when building a lineup this week, Ben? I think you start at running back this week and try and figure out whether you believe in Andrew Harris and the production. So far, I don't think there's any reason to think that he's going to be able to pay off that near $12,000 price tag. So I think you drop down and you lock in right away whoever's starting at running back for Montreal this week versus Toronto. Regardless of who the offensive is, you want the running back versus Toronto. And if you can get the cheaper Jeremiah Johnson, that's great. But even in, if it's stand back, that's still a pretty solid value given the production he's able to put up at a higher efficiency than Johnson is able to put together. Montreal is running just about 45% of the time, and they're projecting for about the second most carries this week. Adams eats into some of that, but whoever starts at running back for Montreal this week would be my top pick in a lineup regardless of position. If you can afford John White at 7600 on TSN contests, I think that's another solid value to put in at RB2. And if not, you can probably drop down to someone like John Croc and just hope that the pow-pow effect gets him an extra three or four carries that he wouldn't have got otherwise. And he's able to just grind it out as they try to establish a run against all kind of logic that flies in the face of it. So from there, if you're going down to receiver, as I said earlier, I think Addison is probably the best value at receiver this week and projects for the second most points overall given his big production from wide receiver involvement and running involvement. So I think it's just over 6K. He's probably the second spot that you put into that lineup. And then you can pick between some of those Montreal and Toronto receivers to see who might happen to fit into lineups. But with them having the highest total game on the week with an over-under of 55, I think you're looking for a shootout in that Atlantic showdown that you're going to want mostly receivers from Montreal. Posey is a great value. I think Lamar Durant is another guy who could potentially put up from a mid-tier price range some pretty good values. He's been getting just about nine targets a game over the last three weeks and certainly has the opportunity to make some stuff happen if Riley is looking places other than Burnham this week. From there, you can figure out what you're going to be able to do at quarterback. I think the top projected play is going to be Adams, but there's not going to be many people probably affording him given the lack of salary relief at running back and wide receiver. So you're probably looking at one of the cheaper quarterbacks, whether it's going to be Dane Evans, Chris Streveler, or Cody Fajardo. I think Fajardo is probably going to be the top option given his dual threat ability, but there's nothing wrong with going for Dane Evans at the bottom of the salary structure and filling out the rest of the lineup from there. All right, what I did last week was a big poo-poo. I played the after beatdown yards. I thought Ottawa was going to be so in a hole after the first couple quarters that Dom Davis would be able to come back and put some yards together. So in Dave's confession, after week number 10, Ben Kramer, I played Dom Davis at quarterback. That is so gross, Dave. (laughs) How do we get to record a show this week? How do we get to give anybody advice after that? (laughs) Just shut it down. Push stop. We're done. (laughs) Just pull the plug. Yeah. (laughs) Just pull the plug. Show over. (laughs) How can we consider ourselves as people who give advice? You see, this is the offside fantasy football podcast, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Just offside. There's no hope. (laughs) Five-yard penalty, loss of down. (laughs) Yeah, time to punt. That's a 15-yard penalty. (laughs) 
time to punt me. Well, it's my first show back after Dan the Stats Guy was on, so I had to test the waters, but I honestly don't know what I was thinking. See, here's here's the thing that I like about you. And like they say that uh, people that that compliment each other well in business relationship, relationship, romantic, whatever, the one person builds up the other person's strength. So you're 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 the practical guy. You play the safe plays, the ones that make you money. I always try to think like, ooh, okay, well, you know, what if uh, everyone's playing this guy and I got to make up some yards? Maybe I'll play this guy. And three out of ten times it works. But those three times, let me tell you, Ben Kramer, it feels good. Yeah, everybody wants to be the smartest person in the room, right? <laughs> if anything, it brings great fodder for the for the shows weekly, right? Like, what else can you laugh at me about? Well, there's probably a lot you can laugh at me about, but yeah, comic relief, right? Oh boy, that's Dave's confession. All right. Final thoughts, uh, Ben Kramer, for episode 87 into week number 11. Well, I wouldn't start with quarterback this week, as I mentioned a couple times earlier. Probably just fill that position out with whoever happens to fit in with salary, so long as it's not Dominique Davis or Mike Riley, because they are not good at football at this point. I think uh, Riley's probably got a whole lot more left in life to do, and I hope he just manages to survive long enough to see it. But hey, he's making 700000 a year. So he's got to be liking life some, somewhat, right? Well, the off, the off season is only another eleven weeks away. <laughs> That's what he's got. That's what he's got to look forward to, and it looks like BC is going to have a long off season for sure. All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode. A lot of CFL fantasy content in there. If you're looking for more, as I mentioned before, you can check out Ben's weekly articles on CFL.ca. Also, check them out weekly. Uh, with Andy McNamara on TSN Radio in Toronto for the CFL Weekly Program. Daily Roto as well. Check out some of his info there at Ben Yaman on Twitter. Myself at Dave Dawson 7 I usually like to tweet out some of those individual defensive stats. Again, we apologize. If you'd like to listen for those this week, we didn't get those in, but we'll have them back for you in episode number 88. We are CFL Fantasy FTB on Twitter. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. Please play responsibly. We'll catch you next week. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of the Onside CFL Fantasy Football Podcast. To find out the very latest for your weekly CFL Fantasy lineup, follow us on Twitter at CFL Fantasy FTV.